Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. The prophet Elijah receives an interesting message from God saying that God has commanded a widow to provide for Elijah during a huge drought. The interesting thing is that in Jewish society, widows were often on the lowest of economic scales, yet God chose the widow to be an instrument of kingdom supply for his prophet. In today's message, we continue a segment of our series called The Journey with a message titled Kingdom Supply, Make Room for Provision. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen. Open your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 3. And while you're going there, we're going to lay the foundation. You guys know we have been talking for months about the journey. And the journey is what God has ordained us to walk in in our lives. We walk every day on a journey that God has set for us. Our feet walk in the steps that God has called us to walk in. Because the word tells us the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Amen? So when you become righteous in Christ, God is ordering your steps whether you know it or not. Even when you think God is not ordering your steps, he's ordering your steps. He's making you go places that you're supposed to go. He's making you meet people you're supposed to meet. He's making you do things you're supposed to do. And you do sometimes don't realize that he's in control. For many years, I thought I was in control of my life. And then I looked back and I realized God was introducing to me to people, putting me before people, sitting me in classrooms where I'm supposed to be, to meet people that I'm supposed to meet that will have an impact on my life. Because God has a, he has a, he has a, a purpose for you. He told Jeremiah, he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I already knew you. And not only did I know you, I have already appointed you, commissioned you, called you to be a prophet to the nations. In other words, before you were even born, God already saw an end point for you. Because God is a God of purpose. Amen. God knew how to take a young man from Alabama and a young woman from Arkansas, bring them together in California to produce me. Amen. By design, he did it. Amen. By design, he orchestrated their steps so that they met someplace where they shouldn't have met each other unless their steps were ordered to be there. I'm a product of purpose. Amen. Amen. And guess what? You're a product of purpose, too. Amen. Somebody said this was an unwanted pregnancy. No, it's a purposeful pregnancy. Amen. You don't have a pregnancy without a purpose. (laughs) I'll let y'all meditate on that. Amen. Some people walk through life thinking they were unwanted. Wanted or unwanted is uh, is not the question. The question is, are you here because you have a purpose? And the answer is yes. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have a purpose. You wouldn't have been born if there wasn't a purpose for your life. Amen. When you get to heaven, ask all the ones who didn't get here. All right, I'll let y'all meditate on that too. All right. Listen, you're, you're, in, you're in Genesis, and so I'm going to do a little recap so you know where we're picking this up at. So we've been talking about the journey, and the journey has five areas of prosperity that God lives through us to bring forth. 
And that is, number one, God begins your prosperity journey with making sure that you are totally equipped for everything you need in this journey of life that you're on by, number one, coming to know him. The first part of your journey, the first element of your prosperity is that you know God. Because until you know your creator, you won't know why you were created. Amen. Come on. Come on. The designer of the guitar. We just heard the guitar. We heard it played, right? Stringed instrument. Now you could take that car and you could say, man, this looks like a club. And you could try to hit something with it. And it'll be destroyed. You know why? Because it's not designed from the right materials for that use. So that use becomes an abuse. So whenever something's used for the purpose that is not intended for, it is abused. Amen. Amen. When husbands and wives, we don't know the purpose of each other, we'll abuse each other. Amen. Amen. It's reality. It's truth. So God creates everything by purpose. And so the first thing you need to know is you need to know the creator so that you can know your purpose. So the first area of prosperity is once you know God, you're in a, a different position from most people because most people don't know why they're here. They're experimenting with their lives. And when I didn't know God, that's what I was doing. I was experimenting with everything that looked good, everything that sounded good. I experimented it. And I found out some stuff was better than other stuff. And I found out some stuff I should have left alone. Everybody who knows you should have left stuff alone say amen. amen. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, they told me to leave it alone, but I wanted to experiment. Amen. I should have left it alone. The second area is relationships. God has supernaturally put people in your life to become a blessing to you. I didn't know that I got sent to a school and the guy who I end up sitting next to because we were in alphabetical order. And his last name was Martin and my last name is Moton. So he's sitting in front of me. So we're sitting there. Excuse me, his name was Martin. My name was Moten. I'm sitting right behind him in class. Turns out we have the same birthday. What? We got the same birthday? Oh, we start hitting it off. Turns out his father is the pastor of the church. Turns out I go to their house and that pastor in the house made more of an impact on me than most pastors made from the pulpit. <laughs> Amen. And I still became an atheist. Amen. <laughs> amen so God supernaturally puts people in your life to impact you to bring you messages to bring you truth to bring you understanding and sometimes he puts them in your life in order to unlock something in you that you don't know is in you sometimes people come and their needs unlock things in you if you have that love and you say man i gotta do something and then all of a sudden god unlocks something that you have inside of yourself to bless somebody or meet a need that you didn't think you were able to do amen because of number three which is you are gifted above your even comprehension your prosperity is in the fact that you are gifted. Well, you got gifts you don't know you got and there are three kinds of gifts there are your natural gifts the genetic gifts you were born with and I told you before, the same gift I have to get a high can off of a shelf is the same thing I should have learned how to snap my wrist and shoot a jump shot. That same, that same gift should have been used or could have been used. I won't say should have. Could have been used in a different way. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Amen. 
But you have gifts that you don't think are gifts. Some of you have a gift of presence. That you show up in rooms and you bring comfort to people and you don't even realize you do it. People feel comfortable because you showed up. You have something about you. That's what something about you makes me feel comfortable. What is it? It's a gift of presence, but you don't think it's a gift. Some of you have all kinds of abilities, ways of thinking, all things that are genetically placed in you that are gifts. And those genetic things then get mirrored with what God then gives as ministry gifts. And ministry gifts are when God takes your natural gifts and puts them in such a way that you, by faith, start to do things like teach or have mercy or begin to uh, 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 do administration. Other things that are listed in Romans chapter 12 as ministry gifts that you don't do by some Holy Spirit gifting, but you do them by faith. Amen. Serving. Blessing, encouraging, exhorting, those things become ministry gifts. Things that help you in ministry that you just do because you believe you can do it. And the third part is then spiritual gifts is when the Holy Spirit comes and touches you and makes you do stuff that you should not be able to do. And those are things like prophecy, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. Those things happen not like you want, but as the spirit wills. And sometimes we in the church start believing we can control those. And when you control it, then you are called what I say, prophet lion. Because prophesying comes from the Holy Ghost. Prophet lion is when you do when you just made it up yourself. Oh, I see something in you. Yeah. All right. Come on. Does it, do you see it or is the Holy Ghost showing you something? Amen. Somebody told me there was a prophet and called, said somebody was their husband. I said, well, mm, no. <laughs> Amen. Come on. And you have some people who declare that they're prophets. And they call you with evil reports about people all the time. Well, God didn't, God didn't need to show me. I know death is out there. I didn't need a prophet to come tell me something's going God don't prophesy death. God speaks life. God don't call you with an evil report saying, I think something's wrong with you. No, then that's you prophesying to me. I know what's wrong with me. I don't need you to prophesy. I know what's wrong. I need somebody to speak. What does God say to get me out of this thing? When David committed sin and David was in a position where he had uh, 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 violated something that he should not have violated. When the prophet came to him, the prophet told him how to fix the situation. He revealed it, he exposed what he did wrong, and then he told him how to fix it. So if somebody comes to you and says, I got a word, a prophet, and they got a whole bunch of problems, don't listen to them. Because unfortunately, we had some prophet liars come through here. Well, y'all don't like to hear that. Amen. Unfortunately, they were speaking death over all kinds of stuff. And they were stirring up some mess. And they weren't doing life. They weren't speaking life. They kept exposing everybody's flaws. Guess what? You all got flaws. So what? Amen. Yeah. Call me and tell me, I want to tell you my flaws. Yeah, then I believe you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 
But God brings spiritual gifts to empower the church, not to tear the church down. Amen. And you ain't, and nobody is, there are no, and listen, there are no old covenant prophets and seers in the New Testament. You can't find one. The ones you do find, Paul said, shut up. Amen. So spiritual gifts come as the spirit wills. The fourth area is being alive in Christ, being well made whole. The Greek word is sozo, to be healed, delivered, and made whole. Part of your new covenant right is to receive healing and receive wholeness in your body. And people get this mixed up. They say, well, if I was healed, I wouldn't feel any pain. No, no, that's not how this works. You are healed to fulfill your purpose. In other words, when you understand your purpose, you will walk through no matter what attacks your body and you will fulfill your purpose. Amen. Paul said, I got a thorn. I got this thing. It's, it's attacking me. And I asked God to take it away. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Now rise up and prophesy to this new generation. And with his thorn, he kept on moving. Amen. Amen. Come on. I had something tried to stop me yesterday. I had something attacked me yesterday. And guess what? I said, man, but y'all don't see no sign of it today, do you? If I tell you, if I tell you, guess what it is? Y'all couldn't guess. If you saw me yesterday afternoon, you would have guessed what it was. Today, you can't see it. Not because I'm hiding it, but because I'm in purpose right now. And it can't stop me right now. Amen. It can't slow me down. It can't, it can't, it can't eliminate me from doing what I'm called to do. Amen. Because purpose opens the door for both healing and number five, which is supply. And that's where we are now. We're talking about kingdom supply. So we looked last week at Romans chapter 8, and we talked about the fact that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, no matter what comes at you, you're not condemned. Amen. When you're in Christ. And that there is a law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that makes you free from the laws of sin and death. In other words, there's a law of sin and death that we all have to face. Everybody in this world has sinned. And everybody in this world has to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. You can't avoid those two things. Those things are laws. They are set in part. If, if you aren't a Christian, you sin. If you say God don't exist and you make your own, role, uh, you make your own rules, these are the rules. I guarantee you, you're going to break your own rules. Because that's what happens in a human being. No matter what rule is set, we will violate it. I can, I, listen, I ain't going to call y'all out. I know some of y'all violated the rule of 25 miles an hour this morning. Or 35, amen. Or 55, amen. I can guarantee you somebody in this room violated that law this very day. <laughs> I was on the curb when somebody was driving up and I heard their wheels. I said, whoo. <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I'm playing with them. Amen. You can't help yourself. It's a law of sin. And no matter whether you're in God, not in God, you're going to sin. You're going to violate a rule. That is, a, that is the nature of humanity. That's the sin nature in humanity manifesting itself. If you give us a rule, we're going to break it. 
We can't help ourselves because it's in us. So God said, I'm going to put a law in place so you will understand and universally you'll all be able to see. Moses, write these things down on these tablets. Give them these laws and watch everybody break them. Just as evidence of what's already in you. <laughs> Amen. Just he didn't give the laws and just for them to know. He gave them a law in the book of Galatians. It said the law was a schoolmaster to show us that we were sin. Amen. The law was there to reveal our sinful nature. It wasn't there to give us ways to live. It was there to show us you can't follow the laws. You need a savior because you can't follow all the laws. If you make the laws, you can't follow them. If I make the laws, you can't follow them because it's in you to sin. <laughs> Amen. So then should we go ahead and sin so that grace can abound? No, you don't that ain't it either. Amen. Then there's a law of death that we know we all fall into. You cannot live, you can't enter this world in a physical body and not go out in death. It's impossible. So those things have a ramification on how we live from day to day. They, they govern us because sometimes we know death is coming and we start being afraid of how we live. Or sometimes we live life afraid of death, whether it's here or not. And sometimes we are so concerned with somebody giving us a law or giving us a rule that we rebel against those things no matter what they are. And so those things manifest in humanity all over the place. I used to work at this high school, and all these kids were like, we don't want nobody to tell us to do. We got our own identity. And I look over in the corner, and they all dress the same. Then they, the, the counterculture, they all now have dressed the same, and they made a new counterculture. Well, wait a minute. Y'all didn't want nobody to tell y'all what to do, but y'all just went over here and did the Y'all all dressed the same. How come all of y'all got the same t-shirt on? How come all of y'all wearing your jeans exactly the same way? But if I tell you how to dress, you don't want to dress that way. It's because the rebellion in us just says, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> now I can go over here and all of us agree this is how we're going to dress, but you can't tell me what to do. And in this nation right now, we got everybody saying political correctness. You can't say this. You can't say that. But we got freedom of speech. Well, if we free, how come? You're free to say, I want to live this way. Well, I say, hey, I, that's cool. I want to live this way. You small minded. You ain't. What? What? What are you talking about? I'm expressing my freedom. How come you? How come my mind is small? NFL, the National Football League, you can have a drug problem, you can beat up people on the street, you can, yep, I, yep, beat women, and you'll get a couple of suspensions. You can hit somebody with your helmet, <laughs> and you'll get suspended and come back. But if you exercise free speech on an issue that somebody doesn't agree with, then you can't come back. You can't play in the league. 
That's the sin nature working. And it works, it works in little places and it works in big places. It's because they're laws. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from those laws of sin and death. In other words, when I receive Christ and I walk in Christ, it makes me free from those bondages of living under those other laws. In other words, I, get, I escape my propensity to always break rules by obeying God. I, I break the power of death and the fear of death off my life if I walk in Christ. And by the Spirit, I overcome everything that says it has dominion over me. And I exercise dominion over it. Amen. Now listen, that's the foundation in which we now find ourselves in Genesis chapter 3. And when we go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, we know this is the point when Adam has sinned. Adam has sinned. He has fallen. He has discovered that he was naked. He has had death come to his life, which we know death is the separation from God. So the first level of death has hit Adam's life and Adam is now under condemnation. And how do we know? Because when God says, Adam, where are you? He said, I hid because I was afraid. And then when God said, Adam, what have you done? Adam said, God, it was that woman you gave me. See, I had to position myself on this side of the room. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I have a good thing and I've obtained favor of the Lord because of my wife. Amen. Amen. But see, the book of Proverbs hadn't been written yet, so Adam didn't know no better to just say it was that woman you gave me. <laughs> Amen. So God begins pronouncing things on the serpent, on the woman, and then the man. And he says to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying. Now this is important to understand here. He said, listen, I told you something and you listened to someone else. Don't get caught up on the, on the wife word, right? Because it wasn't just, there wasn't nobody but the two of them. Amen? It could have been just as well. Your grandmother, your mama said, your daddy told you. It could be any one of those ones you want to add. Whoever else, your, your co-worker said, whoever, whatever. But the key is, is that because you heeded the voice of someone else and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat, Saying, you shall not eat of it. Because I told you, don't eat of it. He said, because of that, listen very close, because you need to understand this. And this is what the world system doesn't understand. Because of that, he doesn't tell Adam he's cursed. Listen very close. He said, cursed 
is the ground for your sake. In other words, Adam, you're going you're gonna to continue to walk around like nothing's wrong with you, except the ground is now cursed because of your actions. The ground is cursed. The world is cursed because of Adam's sin. Adam's problem was that he was separated from God. He lives in separation from God. But the curse is on the ground. Now, this is really important because you have to understand, if we're talking right now in Area 5, the area of kingdom supply. It's very, understand, very important that you consider the fact that God did not curse Adam. Adam's problem is he's not with his source anymore. He lost his glory. He lost his ability to command or have dominion or authority over the ground, over the earth, over everything that creeps in the earth. That's what he lost when he was found in sin. So the law of sin comes into him. The law now governs us making wrong choices concerning rules. But now the ground is cursed. Cursed is the ground for your sake in toil. Turn to your neighbor and say toil means toil. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. In other words, when it comes to the ground and how you get your food or how you get your sustenance, you're going to toil for it. You're going to work for it. You're going to work, toil. You're going to toil for your stuff. By your brow, the sweat of your brow, you're going to toil to get stuff. You're going to struggle to get it. You're going to toil to get it. When you get it, you ain't going to seem like enough. You're going to toil because the ground is cursed. It's cursed, which means you can't exercise dominion over it because it's too hard for you, which is why you got to toil. Amen? All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it's going to bring for you. In other words, when you go to touch it, it's going to hurt you. <laughs> Amen. Your toil and labor is going to be met with thorns and thistles. You're going painful. It's going to be painful. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In other words, you're going to keep going back because there's something in there that you do want. Even though it hurts to get it. Amen. Now, I know, I know, I know all of y'all, the kids are out. So I, know, I know all y'all had to work, right? Everybody in this room had to work, right? Amen. So you've had to work. So you know what work thorns and work thistles are. Amen. But you keep going back because of the herbs that are growing in there too. Amen? Amen. The herbs are in there, so you keep going back. But them thorns and thistles get you while you're there. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verse 19, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you 
are, and to dust you shall return. Why is Adam dust now? He's dust now because he lost the presence of God. See, it says, remember, when God created man, he formed him from the dust of the ground. He made man in his own image. And he blew into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. But when he got separated from God, all he's got is the life that's in him. And when that life, life runs out, he's gone. But when you receive Christ, you get new life in you. You get a new spirit in you. And when that new spirit is really embraced and really released, and all of a sudden you got a different kind of life in you. Amen. you got a life that lives eternally and doesn't just go to a window and stop. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. That's why the law of the spirit of life in Christ makes a difference in your life. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to take you now, go to the book of uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. We're talking about kingdom supply, but you've got to understand what I've just told you. You really need to embrace that. God's will was never for Adam to have to toil. And again, what is toil? Toil means forced labor that is of high intensity. Amen. When you're toiling, it means you're working hard. Working hard. He said, by the sweat of your brow is how you're going to eat. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, we're going to talk about two widows today. Two widows. Both these widows have a miracle happen in their lives. That is supernatural in the provision. But I want you to recognize that it was God's will for supernatural things to happen in our lives. But because because our mindset as people until it's renewed is that we have to toil for everything. That's what we're used to. We're used to toiling for everything. We're used to warring and toiling and fighting for everything that's what we are used to because that's what adam got pronounced on him and so we spend our lives toiling trying to make things happen trying to get stuff get things all this stuff but toil is not how god intends for you to get stuff now separate now listen close separate toil from work (laughs) amen because see, then, the, then the, when the pendulum swings the other side, then somebody say, I don't work for stuff. I just wait for God to do this for me. Amen. So Paul had Paul said, oh, he said, I see what is happening. He said, let me tell you all something. If a man don't work, don't feed him. There's a difference between work and toil. Toil is hard labor. That you are forced to do. Work is the exercising of your gifts and your abilities for a purpose. Separate them. Amen? So now, let's look at this. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha the prophet, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. 
and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Now, understand Jewish culture at the time. Jewish culture, if you had a debt, there was a couple of different ways you could have a debt. If you owned a piece of property in the promised land, then you could put that property under debt, give it to somebody else, and walk away from the property. They own the property, but they can only keep the property until the year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, everybody who loaned something out, they got to go back where they started from. They all got to go back and get their stuff back. So if I loan to Kim my property, the year of Jubilee comes, I can come back and say to Kim, I want my property back. And to Kim needs to say, okay, well, I'm going to go get my property back. <laughs> and whoever's into Kim's property got to go get their property back. So we reset. Everybody goes back to where we were. Amen. So the year of Jubilee is one way you could come out of debt. But if it's not the year of Jubilee, then if somebody dies and has a debt, whoever owns the debt has the right to come and collect. Like we know that happens now. Somebody, a collector comes, right? That's what probate is. Probate is the government saying whoever is owed money from the estate of the person who passed now has the right to come get their money without regard to who's inheriting it. Amen? Unfortunately, the inheritor becomes last on the list. So the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Think about widows as this in Jewish culture. Widows, again, unfortunate situation, the way the culture works, is that widows did not receive inheritance from their fathers. Excuse me. Women did not receive inheritance from their fathers, so if a widow... Um, if a widow uh, has a, uh, if there's a woman who's a widow, her husband passes, then what happens when I come to Kim's house and say, Kim, I want my property back? What happens to his wife? She doesn't have an inheritance to go back to. She got nothing. Right? So that's what's happening here. This woman doesn't have any other resources. Her husband has died. She doesn't have anything else. She doesn't have anything to lean on, fall back on, none of that. And so she comes to the prophet and says, you know my husband has passed. Verse 2. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me what you have in your house. And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. I don't have anything in my house except this. Amen. So a couple of principles I want you to know. Number one, God honors faithfulness. Amen. When you're faithful, when you are faithful, God honors your faithfulness. Amen. Amen. I was, I was, I was, I was new in the things of God. I got married. We had two children and we were moving and, and all of a sudden I'm in a tough situation financially and I was not working. And I said, Lord, what do I do? He said, I want you to go to the church and I want you to go down there and ask them what you can do. I went down to the church, I asked them what I could do, and I sat around tinkering around on a computer with, with lady, a church secretary named Mary Guillory, and I was down there working with her, and then she said, hey, you should, uh, 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 you should go sit in Pastor Brown's class. I went and sat in Pastor Brown's class, and it was just me and one other lady in the class in the middle of the day, and then uh, he said, hey, he said, take this book, I want you to read it, you're going to teach the class next time. 
I'm like, what? Teach the class next time? I just, I'm, 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 what? Next thing I knew, I was teaching the class. Next thing I knew, I was doing this. Next thing I knew, I was doing this. But though that faithfulness of just showing up started to open doors for me because a man's gift makes room for him. But you can't get room made for you if your gift is in your back pocket. Amen. Space can't get made if you're not using your gifts, which is why if people are not working, they go into bad situations because they can't use their gifts and get space made for them. Because if I could get in somewhere and use my gifts, all of a sudden I can move, I can do whatever. But what happens is when we get in the door and we don't show up with the gifts, then we're just trading time for money. And we're back in the thorns and thistles, waiting on the herbs to come up. Amen. Come on. So what did she say? I don't have anything in the house but a jar of oil. Verse 3. Then he said, go. What is go? Go is a verb. It's an action word. Amen. <laughs> you got to do something. Amen. Not asking you to toil, but I am asking you to work. Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Listen, do not gather just a few. Why did he tell her not to gather just a few? That's because God can only fill the space that you have. <laughs> Y'all going to get that in a minute. God can only fill the space that you have, so it's in your best interest to make space. <laughs> Amen. Verse 4. When you have come in, you and when you have come in, you shut the door behind you and your sons. In other words, don't ask your cousin Lucy to come in here. Amen. Don't, don't ask your friends to come help you out. Take the word, do what I said, and you do the word. Amen. Then pour it into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went in from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. It came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. In other words, once you unlock God's supply, it will flow until you run out of room. When you unlock God's supply, not your supply, when you unlock God's supply, it will flow until you don't have any more space. Go to Malachi chapter 3, if you don't believe me. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is probably the first time y'all heard this when somebody's not taking an offering. Malachi chapter 10, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. 
and prove me now, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour, what? Pour, would do what? Pour. <laughs> Amen. There ain't no coincidence, y'all. Amen. See, if I will not pour out for you such blessing that there will not be what? Room enough to receive it. In other words, I can pour more than you can hold. <laughs> God said, I can pour more than you can hold. And you can borrow vessels and you can keep pouring your oil, but you're going to run out of space before I run out of supply. Come on. God has a supply available to his people, but you don't get it by walking in the flesh. You get it by walking in the spirit. Amen. Come on. Look, go back. Go back. Um, uh, verse 7 of 2 Kings uh, chapter uh, 4. It says, then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Come on. Listen, everybody in this room who's got a debt, I'm going to talk strong to you right now. Everybody in this room who's got a debt right now, you need to get out of toil and get into supply. If you got debts, you got to get out of your, your toiling mindset because your toiling mindset is going to keep you in toil. Amen. You're going to have to get in the kingdom mindset to ask God to release supply to meet your needs. And when supply comes, supply doesn't come except you're on purpose. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Go to uh, 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 17. Because you thought that's a fluke and just a story, I'm taking you to another one. Amen. Same scenario. It's a widow who doesn't have resources. Now, let this be another thing that you understand. If you think you're in a widow situation, a widow situation, a widow situation, can, you, can, you can physically be a widow. You can spiritually be an orphan. Okay? You can emotionally feel like you're abandoned and nobody's there for you. It can be any one of those. But a widow situation is, when, is, is a situation in which the man who is sitting by the pool of Bethsaida said, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. Mm, come on, y'all. I don't have anyone. I'm an orphan. I'm a widow. I'm abandoned. I don't have anyone to put me in. In other words, I don't have anyone else who can help me get into the blessing I need. I need healing, but I don't have anybody else to help me get in. So if anybody, if you feel like you're in that situation or circumstance, I want you to listen close because these two widows are speaking to us. Come on, these widows are speaking to us. Then the word of the Lord came to him. And this is not Elisha who we saw. This is now a different prophet. This is Elijah, the prophet. The word of the Lord came to him saying, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. In other words, she's not even Jewish. And dwell there. See, I have, listen, woo, come on. See, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. 
Ooh, oh, come on. He said, I have commanded a helpless person to help you. <laughs> come on. I have commanded her. But she hasn't heard the command yet. She doesn't know it's her destiny. See, we all live in what I, I refer to as intertwined destinies. In other words, I can't achieve what God has called me to achieve unless I help you achieve what you're called to achieve. I can't do what I'm supposed to do unless I do for you. I help you get what God has called you to. Amen. We have intertwined destinies. And if we don't recognize that, then we won't serve each other because we'll think I got to get mine. That's why worship should never become selfish. You never allow your worship. Never, never say, I'm coming to get my worship. You ain't got no worship. Worship ain't what you get. Worship is what you give. You give God your worship. Worship is the only thing a man can give God that God didn't give him first. So you can't get your worship. <laughs> Amen. You can only give worship. Worship can only be given. Can't be received. Now, you might walk in a room and feel somebody else giving worship to God. <laughs> come on, come on. You might walk into a room or say, let's say, let's say one. You can walk into a church and say, wow, when I went in, I felt the worship. What you felt was other people worshiping. <laughs> Amen. So you could come in and add to it by worshiping, but you don't personally benefit from other people's worship. You get comforted momentarily because the presence of God is there. And you feel the presence of God, and for a minute you feel good. But it really doesn't benefit you till you learn how to worship. When you worship, then you enter into it, and then God's presence is around you. Woo, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. Why? Because... This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. When I fight my battles, because I've entered into praising. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Woo, hallelujah, man. Elijah, Elijah has gone to this woman. And we're going to pick it up here to the next verse. So he arose. In other words, Elijah obeyed the word of the Lord. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you need to obey the word of the Lord. Yes, indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. He's gathering sticks to make a fire, right? And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I might drink. Look close, look close. Man, this word is strong. Look close. Bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. He asked this woman who's gathering sticks to give him something to drink. But listen. That's what I need to learn. I, I need to learn this. I need, I need to get a hold of this. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread 
in your hand. So she was going to go get the water. And he said, by the way, why y'all, why you going? <laughs> bring me some bread too. Just a little morsel. First, he just says, bring me a little, just something that fit in your hand. I just want a little morsel. Yeah, Lord, have mercy. Come on. Verse 12. Then she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar. Here's that oil again. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I can go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and what? And die. You had, I was, the water was okay. I was going to get you some water. <laughs> but I'm not bringing you no bread because I don't have no bread. Because I don't have any bread, I'm going to tell you my sad story with it. All I got is some oil and some flour. That's all I got. And, and I'm going to get me some sticks, just a couple of sticks, because I don't need a lot, because I ain't got much flour and much oil. I'm getting this. I'm going to make me a little fire. I'm going to bake this little stuff. I'm going to eat this. And I know it's so little that we're going to eat it. We're going to die. Wow. I'm preparing the last supper for me and my child. Amen. I'm preparing my last bit I got. Listen. Some of us haven't never had miracles because we ain't never been down low enough to get a miracle. Amen. Some of us ain't never been down low. You ain't never. I, I, can't, I guarantee nobody in this room been down to your little flour and a little oil and you looking for some sticks. Ain't nobody in this room been down like that. Amen. If you've been down, I want to see your hand. If you've been down like that. All right. All right. We got a couple. Amen. Praise the Lord. Then they know. Y'all should be shouting me down then if y'all y'all been there. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you've been down far enough, then you know what a miracle really is. And you appreciate a miracle when it happens. Amen. Sometimes we've experienced miracles and we blamed it on something else. Amen. Praise the Lord. I had an IRS miracle. Your pastor told you about his IRS miracle. Come on. Supernatural IRS miracles. Amen. When the IRS say, you know, we owe you money. Oh, praise the Lord. And it's not even return time? What? Just a letter? A letter in July? What are you talking about? Praise the Lord. <laughs> that money you thought you owed, we owe you instead? What? Yes, I like that. But sometimes you got to get in bad straits sometimes before you really see the miracles happen. Because sometimes God has to let you exhaust your toil before he reveals his power. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 13. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. In other words, this giant is standing before you. You cannot allow yourself to get afraid right now. Told you when all those fires were happening all around. Remember what we said right here in this room? We said we will not fear. In the crisis is not the time to lose your head. In the crisis is not the time to lose your head. 
in the crisis is when you need to be wise. You need to be listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit in the crisis time. That's what you got to get your mind right when the crisis comes. When the crisis comes, you got to say, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I've been faithful to you when there was no crisis. Therefore, I'm waiting on you in the crisis. And I'm going to let you show me what I need to do right now in this moment. And then let the steps of the righteous be ordered of the Lord. And walk out. Amen. Because now you're entering into supply. You're entering into the kingdom supply when the crisis comes. And when a, a prophet has to say, hey, listen. I want you to get me some water and some bread. And your answer wants to be, I ain't getting you no water and no bread. Bro, look at my ribs. No, I'm not getting you nothing. <laughs> Amen. My ribs are showing, partner. I'm not getting you nothing to eat. Woo, hallelujah. That's when your, your relational situation has to be based on the spirit of love and not the spirit of trust. Mm, come on, I can't even go to that one, amen. Verse 13, Elisha said, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. He said, first I was asking you for a morsel, but I ain't having no mercy on you. You make me a cake. Woo, it's cold peace. I'm a widow all I got is a little flour and a little oil, and I'm gathering these sticks to make a last meal. I told you I didn't have a morsel, and now you're asking for a whole cake. <laughs> I told you I didn't have nothing. That's the flesh talking. But the spirit says, make me a cake. Yeah, first. Make me a cake first. In other words, get out of your flesh. Get into the spirit. Make a cake for me first. And I'm going to let you off the hook. You can make me a small cake. And bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Now, this is important to understand, and I didn't have time to read you the beginning of this, but I want you to understand. Elijah, his calling required him to go to Ahab the king and tell Ahab, it's not going to rain until I say it does. He had to go prophesy. So when Elijah is coming to this widow, he's coming on a purpose. He's not just walking around with no purpose. He's on a mission, on a purpose. And when God said, now I want you to go to this widow because I've commanded her to do for you. is because he had already done what God told him to do. And because he did what God told him to do, he now had to coach this woman on how to unlock supply for him and for her. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What God say? See here with now. If I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room to receive. 
the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the oil, the jar of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. The reason they didn't have any food is because it was a famine. Because it had been three years with no rain. Woo, hallelujah. Verse 15. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her, she and her, excuse me. All right. Woo, hallelujah. I'm too excited. Can't read. Hallelujah. She went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. Many days. Amen. She's just trying to get a meal for today, but they ate many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. It wasn't Elijah talking. It was God talking to her. And when she obeyed what God said to do, she unlocked kingdom supply and it rolled and flowed until she didn't need it anymore. Come on. Come on. Kingdom supply is God supernaturally using whatever you already have. <laughs> it's him using what you already have to bless you supernaturally. That's why the man who's sitting by the water, he said, I don't have anybody to put me in. He didn't understand you already have what you need to get there. You already have what's required to get you into the water. You just don't realize you got it. Amen. That woman said, what do you have in your house? Remember what Elisha said to the woman? What do you have in your house? I don't have anything in my house. Yes, you do. You got some oil in your house. And when that oil, come on, now I'm going to make this oil flow and you're going to have enough oil to sell. Come on. You're going to have enough oil to sell off and live. You're going to be able to pay off your debts and live. Come on, man. Come on. Come on, y'all. The word of the Lord comes. The word of the Lord comes and speaks to us. The word of the Lord is trying to help us understand you got to learn how to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh, so you can start letting supernatural things happen to you. Amen. I told them in the circle this morning, it seems like a fleshly thing, but we're in purpose and we needed something to happen for us. We took a car that we had, my wife's car, beautiful car. She loved the car. We got it for her to drive. We took the car and we traded the car in to get a bigger car because she said, you need a bigger car. This car is too small for you. You need a bigger car. So we traded in and got a bigger car. After we traded, I felt regret. Why did we let go of her car? We shouldn't have let go of her car. We shouldn't have did that. I'm, I'm regretting it. And I'm driving. I said, hey, do you want to drive the car? She said, nope. She wouldn't drive the car. Like, man, how come she won't drive? The I said, I know why she won't drive this car. She, she wouldn't touch it, right? She wouldn't touch it. Because she knew that she yielded something to me out of love for me. Listen, she yielded something to me out of love for me. But she wouldn't drive my car because she was still in faith for God to do something for her. So when we traded her car, the guy, the guy at the dealership, he said, man, this car is pristine. This car don't look like nobody ever drives it. She drives it, but she takes care of it, right? He said, man, this car is amazing. We traded the car. It's two months gone by. I'm like, man, this is still bothering me. It's still bothering me that we let the car go. So 
I said, okay, Lord, what are we going to do? I sat down on a Friday night. The Lord told me exactly where to look. I looked. I found a car that looked like her car. I said, okay, I'll get this car. So I'm, I'm not going to tell her I'm a surprise her. So I'm going to go. I, so I, I get up on that Saturday. It was a Friday night. Saturday morning, I went to the dealer. I beat the guy at the dealer. I'm standing in front of the dealership waiting for, waiting for them to come in. So when they came in, I'm standing there. And when I got there, the guy said, he said, he said, how can I be? I said, you got a car here. I need to see. I told him which one it was. He said, oh, yeah. He said, man, he said, we haven't even, we haven't even got that car in the lot yet. It's in the back, in the detail center. I'm like, okay, show it to me. Went back there, because I wasn't telling him, I wasn't telling him I had no sentimental value about this car. But when I get back there, I find out it's not a car like her car. It's her car. It's her car. I traded the car in Fairfield. They shipped it to Sacramento for auction. It got auctioned off in Sacramento. Some guy in Vallejo is just roaming in there and said, I like that one. I'll take that one. He takes it. He brings it back to Vallejo. He's got it in Vallejo where I live. Because it's mine. But, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. She made me a cake first. Come on. She made me a cake. And God brought her stuff back to her. It was the year of Jubilee. Amen. Come on. Come on. What she gave away, it came back to her. And it came back supernaturally for less money than I was expecting to pay. Because God is orchestrating our steps all the time. And cars or other stuff is not what we do. But we're faithful in the things of God. And God said, I will perfect that which concerns you. He said, let them rejoice and be glad. Let them rejoice and be glad. Who share in my righteous cause. Come on. Woo! Because I'm the God who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Woo! Come on. Kingdom supply works. When we were getting ready to start this church, we were sitting and we were praying, what are we going to do? And so we took a trip. We took a trip with another couple. I had, the Lord had put it really strong on my heart and I just wrote them down everything because I had a plan previously that I put away. I was going to share with my pastor. I never could. I put it away and then God said, now rewrite it. So I rewrote it and I had my laptop and we went on this trip and I brought my laptop with me. And so we're there and the friends that we were there with, they said, they said, the Lord released us from our ministry. We're, we, we're going to look for another place to worship. And Tammy said, well, Tell, you better tell them what God showed you. So I, sh- I shared it with them. And we sat there. And we were, we, we, we all sat there and cried. And, and we prayed over this thing. And then we realized that God had led us previously to, as a, two sets of couples, to put money in a bank account that we was going to buy some vacation property with. So we said, Lord, what are we going to do? We're starting with nothing. The Lord said, you ain't starting with nothing. 
Lord said, years ago, I asked you to, you guys came together, thought, you, you thought you were putting money aside to buy a vacation house, but you was actually starting to put money aside to launch what God told you to launch. So we looked and we took that money and we took that money and we said, this is it. Went to the bank, we started our church account and God has met every need we've had ever since. The purpose was the seed was sown. So we took that money and we brought that money and that was exactly the seed that we needed. And because we step, now we're stepping into purpose now, right? We're stepping in. And so we said, man, okay, Lord, what we need, we need to do, we gotta, we're going to have to have service somewhere. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do that. And now, man, Lord, we need a sound system. And so as soon as I said we need a sound system, the fifth person who was with us right then said, you know what? I told my dad, and he said he looked in his shed and realized he has a sound system in his shed. And we're like, What? And he said, he's going to bring it by the house. He drives to my house. He opens up the back of his truck. And there in the back of the truck are two speakers, a monitor, a soundboard. And he had a subwoofer. I said, man, I can't. That's subwoofer. That's too much. I can't. I can't. I can't even do that. I wish I would have took it now. But, but I said, no, I can't. I can't. I can't take it. Subwoofer. Ooh, man. Yeah, that would have. Mm, it's, that, it's that punch at the bottom, you know. When kids be driving around, you hear all that boom, boom, boom. That's, that's what a subwoofer is right there, right? So I'm like, what? I said, I said, Mr. Maurice, how much you want? He said, give me $100. Are you kidding me? $100? $100? He said, yeah. He said, just give me $100. That's all, that's all I want. Man, I, said, I got speakers. I got a soundboard. I got monitors and a keyboard a keyboard monitor a keyboard monitor too that's right he had a rolling keyboard monitor i said what a hundred he said no that's all i want took that stuff and put it in my trunk and that's where we load we loaded from that spot into the back of the truck and went to the church right he provided he provided he provided every step of the way every time we need something god would open the door he would open the door every time every time and the only limit listen i told somebody yesterday the only limitation to some other things we want to do is the fact we haven't done it. <laughs> Amen. The only, only limitation to stuff we want to do is that we haven't done it. It's not God. It's whether we've stepped out and moved into what God said to move into. Amen. Because God's supply always comes to pass. He always blesses the purpose that he has for us. He always comes through. Our job is to listen to his voice. Start with relationship with God. Listen to his voice. Hear your purpose. Hear what he speaks to you. And then move out in what he calls us to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Here's what I want for you to do. Here's what I want for you to do. I want you to meditate on these widows. You've got these passages. Hopefully you wrote them down. If you, if you didn't Google search them, you'll find them. Amen. The widow of Zarephath and the, and the widow with the oil. Just Google that and you'll find them. Amen. If you didn't write it down. Amen. Even Google knows these miracles. Amen. Hallelujah. You need to meditate on those. And you need to begin right now saying, Lord, thank you for delivering me from toil. And thank you for opening up the door of blessing to my life. Thank you for opening up kingdom supply for me in the name of Jesus. 
Meditate on those. Meditate on those. And then listen for the word of the Lord. And when the Lord speaks, don't hold back. When the Lord speaks, don't, don't back up. Don't think twice. Do what the Lord says to do. And watch him supply. Watch him supply. Watch him supply. We can testify that God supplied our every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Every time it looked like we would lose, we'd never lose. Amen. And we don't lose because we're great. We lose because God's with us. We win because God's with us. Amen. Amen. We don't lose because God's with us. We win because God's with us. Amen. God always comes through. He always finds a way to come through. And anytime the enemy thinks he's got us, he don't have us. Amen. Every time he gets it, every time he jumps in, he thinks. And this is what else I didn't tell y'all. The reason I had to make a move, I had to move on, the, on getting her car back. It was bothering me, but I didn't know what to do. The reason I had to make a move is because the other car we were using got totaled. <laughs> Amen. I left that little piece out. Amen. The other car got totaled. I had to do something. Lord, what am I going to do? He said, listen to me, and I'll show you the way you should go. And what looked like it was an attack on us actually was the gateway to open the door to the blessing. Amen. We just had to walk in and go to the blessing. Amen. Amen. Shoo, come on. Hallelujah. Listen, saints, let's pray. And we're going we're gonna to get out of here. Your, your responsibility this week is to meditate on kingdom supply. Look at these widows and meditate on that. And let God show you what he wants to do with you. Maybe there's some things that you've been feeling widowed about. You've been feeling alone in. Feeling like nobody understands your problems or your situation. You've been feeling like nobody knows the weight you're bearing and the pain that you're under. You've been feeling like a widow. Maybe that's the case. Maybe you feel isolated. You, maybe you're working somewhere. You feel like you're the only one there. You feel like nobody knows you or understands you. Maybe you're in whatever situation. Maybe you're feeling like, again, your money's tight and you don't see how you're going to get past the circumstance that you're in. You're going to have to stop whatever you're doing. Listen to the Lord. And let the Lord speak to you and coach you out. The word tells us there's no temptation that's overtaking you except that which is common to men. Nothing you're going through that somebody else hasn't been through. Amen. But with everything, God has made up a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. In other words, there's nothing that can crush you. You're hard pressed on every side, but you're not crushed. Amen. You will not be crushed. You cannot be crushed. We sang it today. The Lord Holy Spirit said, you are invincible. Now you've got to enter into your invincibility. Amen. Amen. But listen, the way Superman found out he was super, somebody tried to shoot at him. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You ain't going to discover that you bulletproof till a bullet hits you. Amen. Amen. Then you realize, oh, man, I'm bulletproof. Yes, you are. You didn't know it until something hit you. Amen. And sometimes we're going through trials and you don't know that this trial is just revealing what's in you. Father, in the name of Jesus. Let your hand be on your people today. Let your Holy Spirit take this word, engraft it so deeply into the hearts of everyone here that they have nothing to lose. That they understand that you're with them at every moment. That your spirit is here. That you are bringing them through challenge and trial to an overcoming place. Thank you for supplying for all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you for seeing our circumstances, for knowing us there. And Lord, if we're down to two sticks and a little oil and a little flour, we will still obey your voice. We will still say yes to you, Lord. And we know that you can take little or much 
and make it work. Hallelujah. We thank you that we're not looking over the fence to somebody else's blessing. But Lord, what's in our house? Thank you. We thank you that you're going to use what's in the house woo, to cause the blessing supernatural to flow. Glory to God. We thank you that as a church, we're not waiting for somebody special to show up. We are here. And what we need is in this house. Woo, glory to God. What we need to touch 10,000 lives is in this house. And we thank you that we won't hesitate. We won't fall back. We believe. Because those that come to God must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of them who have diligently sought him. So we set our focus, Lord, on diligently seeking you. Diligently seeking you, knowing that when we seek you, you will be found by us. And if you're found, then you will do all great things. You will open up the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing so that we will not have enough room to contain it. We thank you that there's not enough parking and not enough seats in this building to contain the blessing that you're pouring out on us because we're diligently seeking your face. We're not looking to the left or the right and we're not waiting for someone to tell us what to do. We're listening for your voice. Our eyes are on you, Lord. We thank you for meeting the needs of every person in the room. I thank you for meeting our financial needs. I thank you for meeting our spiritual needs that everyone in here is strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I thank you for meeting our emotional needs that we are healed, Lord, and that the joy of the Lord is fully restored to our lives. Not a shallow joy, but the depth of joy. For the joy of the Lord is our strength, Lord. So we thank you for overshadowing and filling us with the joy of the Lord, the joy of your spirit, Lord, that overcomes grief and overcomes sadness, overcomes weakness, overcomes anything, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you meet our needs for connection. That no one here is isolated or alone. That you're with us all time. And when we're alone and we feel like we're alone, you send people across our path to encourage us and build us up and to strengthen us, Lord. Because it's not good that man should be alone. Hallelujah. So, Father, thank you for meeting our social desires and needs, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you send us Barnabases to be with us. Send us Timothys to sow into. And send us the right Pauls to speak life over our circumstances. So we give you praise and glory, Lord. For you are the Lord who sees. Hallelujah. You are the Lord who hears us. You are the Lord who provides for our needs. You are the Lord, our shepherd, who guides us. Woo! In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message titled Kingdom Supply, Make Room for Provision from our series titled The Journey. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, we want you to feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. 
On our media page, you can catch our live-streamed worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also feel free to join us any Sunday morning for one of our live services held in the city of Vallejo, California. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.